Well, good morning. I would like to greet you in Jesus' name. As I meditated on what the Lord would have me to share this morning, my mind went to the passage that that I often come to as I think of this time of, of introspection, perhaps a little differently than, than normal. And I invite your attention to Romans. We start looking at the last half of chapter 4 and part of chapter 8, part, excuse me, part of chapter 5. <clears throat> I have a, a sketch here. What is this sketch supposed to represent? No, it's actually an, an instrument. A harp. I don't know if I've ever laid my hands on one, but from the pictures I've seen, that's kind of what they look like. What is a harp perhaps could be a symbol of? What, what would you use a harp for? Praise the Lord. I'm thinking of rejoicing, specifically. This morning, the title of the message is Rejoicing in Hope. And as we look here in Romans, I'd like to begin here in verse 18 of chapter 4. This is Paul writing about the experience of Abraham and his faith. In verse 18, Who against hope believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith... He considered not his own body now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able to perform. What did Abraham have here? He had a persuasion that God would perform the promise. God had promised a son. He didn't know how this was going to come about. But there was a confident expectation that that Abraham demonstrated. Yes, his faith faltered at one point. But he believed God. And that's the testimony that has left us in Scripture of Abraham, that he believed God, even when it didn't make sense. And the word hope here, who against hope believed in hope, when it made no sense to hope, when it made no sense to believe, he still believed. In verse 22 it says, And therefore it was imputed unto him for righteousness. Now, it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also, to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Therefore, being justified by faith, 
we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Just as Abraham <clears throat> was declared righteous because of his unshakable faith in God and in God fulfilling his promises, we too are justified by faith as we believe in God and acknowledge the mystery of redemption through the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus. It's faith. Believing that God is and is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. It's a definition there in Hebrews. It's what Abraham had. He believed in God and that God would do what He said. And as we, as people, sin, sinful creatures, come before Almighty God, we reach out in faith, believing that God is, and that God will reward those who diligently seek Him. As we examine ourselves today, not unlike many other days, I hope, then we, but may we grasp by faith the glorious provision of the salvation offered by grace through faith in Christ that produces hope and peace. And it brings a response of rejoicing. We see here in verses 1 and 2, I'd like to reread those of chapter 5. Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. When I look at a scripture passage, it's often hard to, to try to bring it down and boil it down to where it's concise, understand the message, be able to convey that. And I don't know how well I've been able to do that this morning, but as I looked at these verses, this thought came to me. We are justified. That's, that's the underlying foundation here. Justification by faith. And when we are justified, repent, confess, forgiven before God, we are given a harp. There's four words that I'm pulling out of, this, of these two verses. The first being hope. The second being access. The third being rejoicing. And the fourth being peace. Hope, access, rejoicing, and peace. So, if you take nothing else away from today, remember that you've been given a harp. Because as we are justified, it says we have peace with God. We have access by faith into the grace of God. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And I'd like to look at each of these 
somewhat. But thinking about hope primarily here and rejoicing in hope, the, the word that is, that is translated hope in the New Testament has the idea of, of anticipation or expectation or confidence. Only one place is it translated faith and all the rest hope. But that, that confident expectation that God will perform what he says. And it's not only believing that God is and that God's promise and pardon through Christ stand, but it's also that claiming of the promise of everlasting life, of future life in his presence because of the resurrection. The resurrection of Christ from the dead is what makes hope valid. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 19, Paul says, in speaking of the resurrection, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Now, I've said before and I'll say again, and I believe it's, it's true. The, the commandments of God, the ways of God, the truth of God has benefits in this life regardless. The principles of God that he has stated for humanity to live by bring blessing. But without the resurrection, without God's power demonstrated there, we would have nothing in which to base our hope and we would have nothing to look forward to. I believe that hope has both a dimension of current rest, current peace, and that future, that anticipation of the culmination of all things, the future expectation. If we go ahead and read further here in chapter 5 of Romans, verses 3 to 11, we'll see this. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies of God, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. We see here again these, this thing of being justified, that current, current reality based on something that happened, but then that also the ramifications looking forward. We shall be saved eternally. We shall be delivered from the very presence of evil and sin. An interesting verse in Romans 8, two verses, verse 24 and 25. 
It says, For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we, have, that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. We are saved by hope. It is something we experience as we come to the Lord in repentance and faith. That justification, salvation by hope. But yet we don't see it realized. We don't see it all worked out because then it wouldn't be hope anymore. So we also have something that we look forward to. Hope, belief, a confident expectation that God will perform His Word. And see, that is the basis on which my faith is. If I don't believe that God is, if I don't have confident expectation that He will perform His promise to forgive those who repent, I have nothing to stand on. And it also brings that sense of joyful anticipation of the future. Rejoicing in hope. That's a, a command in Romans chapter 12. I'd like to look at several aspects of hope and some scriptures that, that shed some light on how hope, this hope works in our hearts and what it can, can help us. And the first being that hope enables patience in trial. If you turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, this, this letter was written to a church that had fairly recently been established. And my understanding is that they faced a lot of opposition, persecution, tough times. And the, the letters of 1 and 2 Thessalonians were written to encourage them. But here, beginning in verse 3 of chapter 1, 1 Thessalonians, Remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father, knowing, brethren beloved, your election of God. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance. As ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. One thing that I find a little difficult in, in knowing how to study and how to, to extrapolate is there's words, and we know what the words mean. But sometimes there's Greek words translated different ways, and then sometimes there's English words that we lump together, and I'm not exactly sure if it had the same meaning 400 years ago that we put to it today. But here we see patience of hope. We also see that the gospel came in much assurance. And I see that as Paul demonstrating through his person and his confidence in the word, his hope in Christ, assurance that they saw and said, this man believes something and I want to believe what he believes. I know he's right. And through that, it gave them strength, endurance, and patience in this trial, the trials that they did face. In 1 Peter chapter 3, I'd like to read a number of verses there. 
First Peter chapter, excuse me, First Peter chapter one, verse three and following. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Notice again, the resurrection is what undergirds the hope that we have. Verse 4, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith, unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto the praise, unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom, having not seen, ye love, in whom, though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Now in these last several verses, do you see hope mentioned by word? No. But do you see that that idea, that forward-looking, we look for an inheritance that fadeth not away. We are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. And here we're looking for our Savior, whom having not seen ye love. And though ye see him not, yet believing and rejoicing... There's that hope, that rejoicing in hope. We look forward to the day when we are with our Savior. And it brings joy unspeakable and full of glory. It might even want, cause you to want to sit down and strum on your harp because you look forward to it. Thinking of hope, a further aspect is hope gives us a reason to testify. 1 Peter chapter 3. In 1 Peter 1, if you turn over a few pages to chapter 3. Verses 14 and 15. But, and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye. And be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. And be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. This hope should not be something that is buried down deep in your soul that no one knows is there. From this passage, it's evident that it's to be something that is seen. It's visible. It's demonstrated somehow. It might be the peace on your face. It might be your response to trial. How you take it with a good attitude. It might be a word you speak to someone that is questioning the existence of God. And they ask you, what are you talking about? Your hope expressed gives a reason to testify. 
Be always ready to give an answer to every man that asketh you of a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. I believe also that hope brings comfort when facing death. The hope, the words for hope in the Old Testament are going to be a little different. Not sure the exact, the exact uh, intricacies of the word, but it's interesting in Proverbs 14, verse 32 says, The wicked is driven away in his wickedness, but the righteous hath hope in his death. What is it that gives us hope in death? Acts 24, 15 says, Paul there giving his testimony says, And have hope, we, I'm just breaking into that, and have hope toward God, which they themselves also allow, that there shall be a resurrection of the dead. That future aspect gives us comfort when facing death. Or when we have experienced the death of a loved one, a friend, in the Lord. We have hope. So it brings comfort. Another aspect of hope, and that is that it must be held to the end to be realized. Turn to Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 6. But Christ, as a son over his own house, whose house we are, if we hold fast our confidence and rejoicing of the hope, firm unto the end. Pulling that verse a bit out of its, of its full context. But the truth is there. That we are part of Christ's house. We are part of the temple of God. The body of Christ, if you will. If we hold fast the confidence and rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. And that's borne out more in, in verses surrounding that, which I'm not going to take the time to get into. But also in Hebrews chapter 6, a similar thought. Where it says... Paul's prayer or desire for them in verse 11. Let's go back to verse 10. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love which ye have showed toward his name, and that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end, that ye be not slothful, but through followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. The full realization, the full, the full fruition of our hope will not be realized if we don't hold that hope, if we don't exercise that hope firm to the end. And as such, it also spurs us to action. Very familiar words to most of us in 1 John 3, verses 1 to 3. 
Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed on us, that we should be called the sons of God. And right there is our justification. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. This hope, this confidence that God will perform his promise in justifying me through faith and will complete that salvation because of the resurrection of Christ pushes me to want to be like Christ, to be pure, to be pure in heart, to be obedient, serving him faithfully. This hope also gives us boldness. In Hebrews 7, verse 19 says, For the law made nothing perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope did, by the which we draw nigh unto God. A better hope. A, a belief in the, could we say, the perfected plan. The Old Testament had its way. But through Christ, it's a much better hope. God's promises all pointed to Christ. And He is the fulfillment. And in that hope, we have boldness to draw nigh to God that no one experienced in the same degree in the Old Testament. Now, we, we, we're so blessed to read of those that, that walked with God, that God's Spirit rested on. But as we think of the tabernacle and the, the sacrifices and the priests, there was a lot to do, a lot of fear of God. There were the people were at the, at the mountain. And fire came down and burned the mountain and, and thunder and it shook. And the people said, you, Moses, go talk to God. We're afraid. But the better hope brings boldness to come before God. That's looking at the hope. And I'd just like to briefly touch on the other aspects of this harp. And that one we just looked at briefly there in boldness is access. The access that we have to God. Turn with me if you would to Hebrews 10. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. And having a an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith, and that's the only place where the word is translated faith instead of hope. So could we say here, let us hold fast the profession of our hope 
without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. Because of Jesus, our high priest, we have access to the throne of God. As it says there in Romans 5, by whom we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. Do we fully appreciate the privilege to come before Almighty God with an open heart, not in fear and trembling, trembling, yes, maybe, reverence, but not as we hear of so much of the world and the, the religions of appeasement of gods and of terror. We have access through the blood of Christ to our God. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. And let us hold fast the profession of our faith. Ephesians 2 verse 18 says, For through him... We both, being Jews and Gentiles, have access by one Spirit unto the Father. And that's looking especially at the oneness of the church and, and how there's no distinction. We all have access to the Father. And in, in chapter 3, verse 12, In whom, being Jesus Christ, we have boldness and access with confidence... Boldness and access with confidence by the faith of Him because of our faith in Him. Is that something to rejoice about? Rejoicing in hope. Rejoicing is an outflow of these things and just... A few verses, Philippians 4, 4, Paul's exhortation to them. You know, I think the church of Philippi was one of the very few that Paul had nothing negative to say about. But he does tell them, rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. And we had read the, the passage in, in 1 Peter chapter 1. And just going to reference that again, it says, In whom having not seen ye love, and whom though now ye see him not, yet believing ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Lastly, I'd like to briefly look at peace. Going back to Romans 5.1. Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Without Jesus, we would have no peace. But because of Jesus, the atonement he has made, as we receive that, that we are justified. And because of that justification, we have peace. Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. 
I see there that, that peace will strengthen your hope. You know, there's, there's some diagrams that I've seen that look at mineral interactions in the soil, especially. And, and as I was thinking of these, I thought of that because I have these four elements here. We have hope, we have rejoicing, hope, access, rejoicing, peace. And you could say, well, when I, when I uh, have access, then I rejoice. Well, when I have hope, I rejoice. Um, when I have access, I have peace. They're interrelated. I can't draw a line here that says when you have access, then you rejoice and you have peace and you have hope. Because each one affects, you could have arrows pointing a lot of different ways. Because when I have peace, it strengthens my hope. When I, am access, when I have re rejoice in the access I have, I have peace but it also gives me hope looking forward. Um, just, they're all interconnected. And, and here, it's what I see in this verse especially, that, that the peace of God shall keep your hearts and minds. It will strengthen the hope you have. And a verse yet in Romans chapter 15. Verse 13. That I think sums up my prayer for you. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. As we consider examining ourselves And that may mean different things or bring different connotations to different ones of you. And I studied that passage a fair bit in the last few days of, of the context there and what does it really mean to examine yourself. I think a lot of it actually had to do with how you were thinking and how you were relating to your fellow Christians when it came time for communion, for the Lord's Supper. Because there was... There were divisions. I'm better than you. I'll bring my own food needed. I'm not going to relate to you. I'm not going to, I'm not going to fellowship with you. Examine yourself. Think about who you really are in the body. And I come back to thinking of my relationship with the Lord. What do I stand on? What enables me to come before His presence? And could I say that it's, it's a harp that's in tune? Is your harp in tune? Do you have peace with God? Are you rejoicing in that peace? Are you taking advantage of the access that you have? For God's grace to be flowing in you. To be bringing victory. I can say, are you? Am I? 
Am I crying out to God, availing myself of that access? Am I rejoicing when things don't go like I would like them to? Do I see the Lord's work in it? Hope is often mentioned in the context of suffering and trial. How do I allow the hardships, the pain, the frustrations and the discouragements that come my way to affect me? Am I keeping my harp in tune? Is your harp in tune? May you, may you experience the hope and the joy, rejoice in that hope, and experience the full blessing that God would have for each of us this week.